Welcome to Inside Schizophrenia, a look into better understanding and living well with schizophrenia. Hosted by renowned advocate and influencer Rachel Star Withers and featuring Gabe Howard. Hello, listeners. Could a change in your schizophrenia treatment plan make a difference for you? There are options out there you might not know about. Please visit OnceMonthlyDifference.com to find out more about the benefits of once-monthly injections for adults with schizophrenia. Hi, I'm your host, Rachel Starr-Withers, with my co-host, Gabe Howard. So, Gabe, I'm a schizophrenic. Just based on normal pop culture, if you met me for the first time, would you, like, right away think I was a schizophrenic, a person with schizophrenia? No, I mean, like, if I just, like, saw you? Like, based on... Yeah. What, like, like your hairstyle? Just the way I was, like, moving around, the way I act. No. I mean, to be fair, as a person living in recovery, you would probably just walk in the room and be like, Hi, I'm Rachel. Pretty I, much. I suppose I might notice if you were symptomatic. Okay. To be fair. But in fairness, I don't know that I would know what those symptoms were. All right. What, just based off pop culture, movies and things, what do most people think a schizophrenic would look like? A schizophrenic would be... Like drooling, rocking back and forth. There would definitely be like an eerie, creepy violence factor, I think. And, and I think a lot of people would assume that there was like a multiple personality disorder thing going on. I think that's probably, when it comes to pop culture, I think that's probably the biggest one. Most people have no idea I have schizophrenia unless I tell them. We have so many movies and even, you know, you can reference One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest from years ago, but Shutter Island, Bird Box that just came out on Netflix, you know. All of these different things where, yeah, they have people with schizophrenia and they are not normal passing people in society. Like it's somebody that like, I'm watching the movie, I'm like, oh God, I don't want to be right on that person. The actual definition of schizophrenia, according to the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Isn't that a mouthful right there? Right. But it sounds really, really official. So it's like, oh. And it is official. I mean, it, it is how they diagnose... All mental illnesses, all all mental health problems, really. Oh, yeah. But it's like, hey, yeah. I can, I believe this. Well, you, you should. <laughs> it's, 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 it's science, Rachel. Yes. Well, it defines schizophrenia as characterized by delusions, hallucinations, disorganized speech and behavior, and other symptoms that cause social or occupational dysfunction. And I really like that they put occupational in there to say like, yeah, having trouble working. Like, I just like that it, like they include, oh, these people can work, but they're probably going to have some trouble. I know that you're going to break down the symptoms because you are just crazy organized. But before we do that, I want to ask you a couple of personal questions. Okay. So, so just answer, like, from Rachel Starr's perspective. Mm -hmm. When you see these movies, you know, you, you are a person living with schizophrenia. You've been diagnosed. And you, how, how long have you been diagnosed? Officially diagnosed yeah. at around age 21. But I've had it since I was a little kid. <laughs> Right, right. But you realize that in order to get a time frame, I'm, I'm now going to have to ask you how old you are. Like 22. You're like 22. Like 22. So you've had schizophrenia for a year? Yeah. I, no, I'm about to be 34. So you've been, you've been living with schizophrenia, obviously, your whole life, but you've been diagnosed for, for well over a decade. Yes. You've been managing this illness and, and you lead a, a full and good life. I, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. I just... Yeah, yeah. Your life is relatively normal. I mean, I think it's beyond normal. I do a lot of really cool stuff. <laughs> that That is yeah. true. But, but the... schizophrenia is not holding you back from doing those cool stuff is really the, the point. Your, your life is yours to make of it what you want. Absolutely. When you see these portrayals, 
You know, because you're just you're just watching Netflix. Yeah. Whole country is talking about a movie on Netflix. You think to yourself, hey, that sounds like a movie that I want to talk about too with the rest of the country. Yeah. You sit down, you watch it. The character with schizophrenia shows up on the screen and you're thinking, go. Unfortunately, I like mentally flip out. If you're watching something with me and it comes up and I was really looking forward to that. I'm a huge Sandra Bullock fan. So I'm like, yes, I am all into this. And then the minute they come up about the mental institution escaping, I was like, what? And like, it's ruined. The rest of whatever I'm watching is ruined. I've already started tweeting (laughs) angrily like, oh, hell no. Um, Like I've just (laughs) went off the rails. There's a a movie, it was a terrible movie, it was a horror movie about stalking. But in the movie, they never say she has schizophrenia, but it quickly shows the um, stalker's pills that she takes. And one of the meds I recognized was an antipsychotic. And I immediately in the theater, like my mom was like, Rachel, calm down. I'm like, no, no. So, And, and that's, that's not because... This isn't triggering you because you have schizophrenia. It, it's bothering you because of the misinformation oh, yeah. that is out there in society and because of the judgment that now gets put on to you yes. and, and the, you know, the, the community of people living with schizophrenia. Now you have to be the ambassador to correct all of this misinformation. Yeah. And especially when you're talking, you know, today you have Netflix, Hulu, things come out and like everybody watches them at the same time. Everybody's talking about it. So you're suddenly thrown into, yeah, everyone's talking about Bird Box. And you know, at that moment, everybody has seen that portrayal. Everybody, you know, has sat there and watched this schizophrenic, you know, come out and they're scary, they're terrifying, and they're all talking about it. And yeah, it's a little unnerving when you think. Let's go all the way back to before Rachel Star Withers was diagnosed. Okay. You know, like you said, you, you've had schizophrenia your whole life, you had the symptoms of it, etc. And you were diagnosed at 21. And, and I'm going to assume that things got a lot better then. You know, you started getting treatment, you started getting care, your, your life started to improve. Ish. It does take a long time to kind of find a treatment that works for you. So all the way back at the beginning, you are Rachel Star Withers, untreated person with schizophrenia, but you don't know you have schizophrenia. Are movies portraying untreated schizophrenia correctly, or are they just completely off base? Did you behave that way before you were diagnosed? I never behaved as a killer. (laughs) All these different things that you see. Have I had like very bad psychotic breakdowns where... I probably was like mentally out of it for a few days. Absolutely. But usually with schizophrenia, you don't tend to act outward. You act inward. You retreat inside of yourself. So I wasn't running around attacking people, you know, being just this scared psycho person, like running around with knives. It was, I was in my room and I kept feeling that my arm got lost in the sheets. So I'm looking for it. I didn't recognize people's faces. I was scared. It was just... You know, it usually be like three days of being terrified and slowly I'll come out of it. But you watch something like Shutter Island and you're like, oh, wow, this guy is so like cool and psycho at the same time. But clearly his whole world is made up. Right. I don't function like that. I'm not. I'm just in my room with my puppy dog. <laughs> we do want to be fair that, that some tiny minority of people with schizophrenia do become outwardly violent. And, and many times, to be completely fair, it's not their intention to be violent. They feel that the person in their house is a threat to them, so they're defending themselves. Now, we, we don't care, you know, why. If, they, if somebody hurts somebody, we obviously want to put a stop to that. Do you think that that could be curbed with more education, more treatment options, more understanding? Yes, and I think 
anybody can become violent in different situations, but in the mental disorder realm and in across the board of mental disorders, not just schizophrenia, yeah, you're more likely to actually lash out and you might not understand, you might not even realize you're lashing out. My grandfather had Alzheimer's and he would start swinging at me and my little brother, but he had no clue who we were. We were just mean people trying to help him to the bathroom, but he didn't understand that. And it's the exact same way with schizophrenia. If I am, yeah, mentally gone, I might not understand who you are and what you're trying to do to me. Even if you're totally trying to help. And if you or a loved one realize you're getting in that situation, you do need to get help. Because at that point, you're not taking care of your... You cannot take care of yourself. And whoever is currently with you can't take care of you either if you become violent towards them. I always tell people that's where hospitalization comes in and you might need to get inpatient treatment. I'm really glad that you said that because there, there is this idea that people who are advocating on behalf of people with schizophrenia are saying, no, 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 there's never violence. There's never violence. And that's not what we're saying. We just want to make sure that people understand why the violence occurs, what the motivation is for the violence, potentially, and how you can help the person. Because, you know, we hear from family members, caregivers, friends all the time when these episodes occur to their loved ones with schizophrenia, they're not themselves. And what they want are treatment options and uh, help so that you can become who they love again and who they know. Because schizophrenia takes that all away. Do, do you feel that that's true? I mean, do, I do. do you consider yourself to be yourself if you were in the midst of a schizophrenic episode or would you just be sick? The way I describe it is like, I'm still there, but I'm very, very far away watching. So like part of me kind of knows what's going on, but I don't always like, I'm not able to necessarily control what's happening. I'm watching it like, is that my mom? Is this happening? You know, just kind of in this daze situation. And when I was a teenager and we didn't know what was going on, I was more, I wouldn't say violent, but I was definitely more aggressive with my dad. Because he didn't understand what was happening, so he would push back, you know, getting in my face, like, well, you calm down. And that, of course, led to me trying to push him and run off. But I was never trying to, like, hurt him. It was just I didn't understand what was going on in my head. And I was his first child, and he had a daughter that was acting bizarre, and he didn't know how to deal with that. To talk about your family for a moment, were they scared at your behavior? And I don't mean scared, like, scared for their own safety, just... They, were they worried? I mean, how did, how has your family reacted to your diagnosis, to your treatment? And are they your caregivers? I mean, how do you feel about, you know, just sort of this whole thing? And you can pick any age you want. I, I know that you've been, you, you know, how did you feel about it in the beginning? How do you feel about it today? I mean, it's, so it's kind of a, a long answer. Oh, I, growing up, like I was undiagnosed as a child, teenager, and my parents, we lived in the country. This is all pre-internet. So really all you have at that point, yeah, is the movies you've seen and some cool VHS tapes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were very like secluded and I was their first child. So they always look back now and like, wow, she had a lot of uh, people she was talking to as a child. But what's the difference between that and let's say imaginary friends? They didn't know like where was the line of what's normal, just being an adorable little weird kid, and then what's something, okay, this has gone too far. So 
they didn't get me help as a kid or teenager, but they also kind of didn't realize that I was different than anybody else. Same thing with me. I thought everybody was like me. I thought everybody saw monsters all the time. No, you don't? Oh, my bad. <laughs> um, but when I got diagnosed at age 21, I actually, I sat them down and I was so scared to tell them. But um, they took it. And over the next few months, they actually like researched it and went out trying to learn more. Like, what exactly is this? And a whole lot of dots started connecting when they looked back at pretty much how my life had been. And they're absolutely amazing. I have like the coolest, wonderful, most amazing family in the world. I always stress that because they put up with so much with me. <laughs> and they helped you, right? I mean, you, you consider... And I'm just asking on behalf, I know that you do not speak for, for all people with schizophrenia oh, yeah. everywhere. So I'm just, I'm just asking for mm-hmm. in your situation, do you feel that part of your recovery and part of your wellness is because of the hard work, determination, love and support of your family? Absolutely. My parents, especially my dad, he adores me. I'm like one of those little daddy's girl situations. <laughs> Uh, if it was up to him, me and my brother would live with them forever. Like, we could get married and have kids, but we're all going to live in a giant house together. Like, that's my dad's dream. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're very, like, close-knit family. And I understand most people do not have that luxury. And it is a luxury. Even if you have great parents, they might not put up with all the stuff I've done. <laughs> um, but they've always been there and... When I did have psychotic episodes, as they learned through the years, they learned how to pretty much jump in there and help me. And it was, Rachel, what do you need us to do? All right. And my dad, every day he checks on me. He makes sure that I'm eating. If if he hasn't seen me and it's like two o'clock in the afternoon, he's going to come down. He'll usually bring me some food, check on me, make sure that I'm fully aware. And that's, that's really awesome. Most of the times, I'm perfectly fine. But yeah, sometimes he comes down there and I've been awake for three days and I'm kind of talking to myself and weird. In future episodes of Inside Schizophrenia, we're really going to delve into the relationship between people with schizophrenia and their support system, whether it's just, you know, their friend, their family, their wives, or in the cases of caregivers or even medical care. So I just wanted to touch it on a little bit and I know that we'll explore this further in the future. So thank you so much for providing just a a small insight into your life, Rachel. You're welcome. Rachel, later on in the show, we're going to talk to a a doctor, a clinical psychologist, a professor at Columbia University. He knows, I guess, as much as any medical person can know about schizophrenia. And and he's really going to delve into what is schizophrenia from the medical perspective. But before we get there, we want to talk about what is schizophrenia from your perspective. And, you know, that's sort of a balancing act because obviously you've been on the internet. We know you've been on the internet. You've read a lot about the illness. You are a mental health advocate. So you've answered a lot of questions. You've talked to a lot of people and you are a professional in your own way and in your own right. But of course, you're also a person living with schizophrenia. So we just want the audience to understand that all of the stuff that we're going to talk about right now, the symptoms of schizophrenia, you're going to answer from Rachel Star Withers perspective a content expert and a person living with schizophrenia. And then later in the show, we'll ask a doctor and, and see how you know those two things compare and contrast so that hopefully the audience can get a more broad view of what schizophrenia is exactly. Because, hey, listen, you don't need to listen to an entire podcast to learn what schizophrenia is. You can just Google it and it'll give you like, what, like a 20-word answer? Mm-hmm. But we want to go a little deeper. Yes, or just pull it up on YouTube and hopefully you find me. 
at Rachel Star Live, correct? Yes, it is. <laughs> you should check her out. She is very, very awesome. All right, so let's delve into hallucination and delusions. I, I think that when people do think of schizophrenia, they really do think of like these hallucinations first. Yeah, I think those are the ones that get like most confused. What's the difference between a hallucination and a delusion? And honestly, I didn't know for a long time. Ironically, when they sit you down and tell you you have schizophrenia, they don't break this stuff up. <laughs> like, they don't say, hey, this is what you're having. This is what you need to expect. It's just let me pop this label on you and here are some meds. And for my caregivers out there, my loved ones, research. It will help you so much. <laughs> research. Because then when stuff happens, you're not terrified. You're like, oh, okay, I read about this. So when you have hallucinations, those are things that you see, hear, feel, smell that are not really there, that maybe the people around you would not be experiencing. Whereas a delusion is a belief not based in reality. And it could be everything from the government's after me to just thinking that your friends are talking about you or being like slightly paranoid. So a good analogy for hallucination versus a delusion is a hallucination is you see Santa Claus under the table. A delusion is you believe Santa Claus is under the table but you don't have any visual or auditory proof. Correct. And that also, there, there's there's different types of hallucinations, right? I mean, you said they're, they're seeing, hearing, and smelling, but you don't have to have all three. No. You can just hear voices, or you can just see things, or you can just smell things, or you, you can have any combination thereof, right? Yes. Now, you personally, what what type of hallucinations and or delusions do you have? My most common hallucinations, uh, I have a lot of visual ones, and it's mostly shadow figures. Like, I can't really tell you, like, if you ask me to draw it, I can't. They're just, like, kind of black, monster-like things. And they'll usually just hang out in the corner of a room. Mine rarely, like, move, like, you know, animatronics or something. Everyone's like, well, do they crawl? Do they... Mine just kind of stand there and stare at me. And sometimes, like, they'll jump forward. But they don't really do anything. They don't try and touch me. And I see, like, faces and things a lot. I have to be real careful with, um, I avoid mirrors because when I look in a mirror, suddenly my uh, my eyes move around, my nose, I become very kind of like a gargoyle. Um, so I just avoid mirrors the best I can. And when I'm out in public, sometimes I'll, like, randomly look at a stranger and their face is messed up. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, are they? is it really messed up? Or am I hallucinating this? And either way, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's kind of how I deal with that stuff is, well, unless, I, you know, really, this doesn't matter if the stranger's face is like that or not. So I'm able to, like, go about my day. Um, when it comes to audio hallucinations and kind of back where we were talking about schizophrenics need different types of care at times, I'm very lucky that I've never experienced the kind of audio hallucination of, like, a voice that's constantly hollering at me, telling me things. Um, harassing me, whereas a lot of people unfortunately do. And that makes life very difficult. Mine have always been like ticking, clicking sounds. And I hear my name being called a lot. But um, nothing like, yeah, a constant voice that I can really make out. Sometimes it sounds like there's a radio left on in a, like another room of the house. So I hear like garbled, like there's people talking, but I can't tell you what they're talking about. And as you said, with auditory hallucinations, it, it can it can really just run the spectrum. You know, some people might hear compliments all day. You know, you're beautiful. I love you. You can do it. And other people might hear, you know, horrible insults yes. all day. You're garbage. Kill yourself. 
and, and, and on and on and on. You know, this, this is why it's, it's very important to understand that not every single person with schizophrenia is the same. No. And the example that we always use for this is we know millions of people with jobs, but we understand that not everybody who has a job has the exact same responsibility or lifestyle or salary or benefits. So we, we understand that there's a difference. Uh, and even within the same classifications of jobs, not every podcaster makes the same amount of money, for example. Not every actor makes the same amount of money. Not every doctor makes the same amount of money or, or experiences the same level of success or failure. Uh, so we, we try to get that out there a lot because I know that you've described before that people are like, oh, well, I met Rachel Starr Withers who has schizophrenia and now I completely understand schizophrenia based on a mm -hmm. five minute conversation or a half an hour speech mm -hmm. or, you know, a, a 45 minute podcast. So it's important to understand that your results may vary and your loved one's results may vary. Yes. Just like an exercise tape or diet. Yours. Just like an exercise tape. <laughs> And that's something actually very common with me is people will email me and they'll be like, no, my so-and-so had schizophrenia. I which saw a movie on schizophrenia. I took one psychology class in college, so I know about schizophrenia. And you are not one because you can talk. Schizophrenics can't talk. They can't hold any sort of job. They're pretty much in the corner drooling on themselves. And that's probably at least three times a week, I get an email like that of someone saying, no, schizophrenics are not able to make a video. They're not able to talk as clear as you do. You don't have it. They're never doctors that say this. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they're never but, doctors that have seen you. Correct. There, there's, a, there's a phrase for this. It's called an armchair psychologist. It's where somebody observes you on television or in public and decides that they can diagnose you with a, a mental health issue or a mental illness. Uh, or in, in your case, undiagnose you. And this is not how mental illness is diagnosed. And even though we know that our loved ones, you know, like you said, that your family is very, very engaged, they're still not qualified to diagnose you based on observation and the fact that they don't have medical degrees. But again, it, it's important that they talk with you, that they ask you questions, that they observe for long periods of time in unedited ways. You know, that, that's the fascinating part that we see a lot of people who are diagnosing celebrities. <laughs> this is edited tape. It, it's not really, maybe it's a publicity stunt. Maybe it's on purpose. Maybe it was a bad day. Maybe it was fueled by drugs or alcohol. Maybe the person had been up for four days. Maybe the person is legitimately suffering from schizophrenia, but you can't rule those out because you saw them on the news. Mm -hmm. Correct. And you can kind of like, yes, if you only saw me in the middle of a really bad episode and I'm thinking that I've lost an arm and I'm searching my bed for my missing arm and you're like, you clearly have two arms. You're using your second arm to look for this missing, like you cannot reason with me. And if that's all you saw, yeah, Rachel needs to be in an inpatient hospital 24 seven. But let's say two days later, I'm perfectly fine. I understand the appendages that I have are in place and I'm able to like have great conversations with you. One of the things that we talked about at the top of the show was, would I think that you had schizophrenia if you just walked in a room? And of course the answer is no. And then later on you touched on people think that schizophrenia is rocking back and forth. They think it's drooling on themselves. They think that it's being unable to talk. And one of the things that I want to talk about a little bit is that some of those characteristics aren't symptoms of schizophrenia their side effects of treatment. And this is in no way discouraging people from getting treatment. It's just sort of showing how 
you know, sometimes things enter the pop culture and they're misunderstood. An example that we always use for that is that cancer doesn't cause baldness. The treatment for cancer causes baldness. And in fact, one treatment for cancer causes baldness. How do you feel about having that? I mean, how do you feel about just all of that? Because there's just a lot of misinformation there. No, absolutely. I always tell people that the medication sometimes is way worse than the schizophrenia. If you meet me in real life, I tend to shake a lot. Like my hands are always trembling. Sometimes it'll get to the point like I can't hold a fork or something. To me, it doesn't bother me. Luckily, I'm not a brain surgeon. That would probably affect that, but I chose to softball it in with entertainment. (laughs) But that has nothing to do with my schizophrenia. It's actually tardive dyskinesia, a side effect from being on so many antipsychotics over the years. And it's just this fun little, I tell people I'm just kind of dancing. I feel my own little earthquake going on. But yeah, nothing to do with schizophrenia. So if you met me, you then you meet someone else, you'd be like, well, how come this person doesn't shake? I thought all schizophrenics were like constantly shaking. And research into the medications have developed safer medications that don't cause tardive dyskinesia. There's also medications that treat tardive dyskinesia now, which is a, a real benefit. And of course, research is always ongoing. But I want to touch on one of the things that you said there where you're not a brain surgeon and you feel that it's worth it. You would rather be in full control of your life that, yeah, you're you're shaking, you're dancing. You know, I liked how you put it there, but it does fit into your life. Is this common for people with schizophrenia or mental illness where they sort of have to make a compromise with their their medications or their treatments? And, And how do you feel about that? Absolutely correct. You have to make a compromise. A lot of people message, well, I'm scared such and such will happen. It might. But if me taking this medication makes it so I can get up every day and work and have a social life, then I personally, I don't mind shaking a little bit. The worst thing that happens is I'm out to eat at a restaurant and you can visibly see me struggling, but I'm able to be out at that restaurant. I'm able to be out with friends. I'm able to have a social life. You'd have to weigh the pros and cons when it comes to medication and side effects. At the end of the day, everybody whether you have a mental disorder or not, you just want to be able to have a life. People think that, you know, recovery, when you're talking about a mental disorder, is you're just great and you have absolutely no symptoms and you're like everybody else. And that's not. Recovery is being able to live a normal life. Not be a celebrity, but (laughs) be able to work, have friends, family. That's what recovery is to most people. And it's fair to say that most of life is a trade-off. For example, most of us give our time to a job so that we can get money to do the things that we enjoy. So we've made a trade. We've traded time for money. You know, other things are like that. We could buy a big expensive house, but maybe we can't travel. We can buy an expensive car, but then we eat at McDonald's or so on and so forth. Most people don't get 100% of what they want. Do you feel that that's an equivalent analogy for this? Or is it not that simple? How do you feel about it? Whenever you're trying out different medications, sometimes it's going to take a little bit to figure out what's going to work for you. And it will change over time. A certain dosage might have kept you solid, being able to work 40 hours a week for years. And then one day that just doesn't work anymore. And you have to change dosages, change medications. When I look back across my life, there were times that I was working like 60 hours a week and going to school full time. And I look back now and think, what? (laughs) How did I do either of those things? Not less at the same time. (laughs) But 
also during those times, that's usually when I was the most out of my mind, the sickest, most depressed, because that took such a toll on my brain. And now I'm much, much more happier. Can I work 40 hours a week? God, no. (laughs) No, no, no. Um, And I can't go to school full time. I do online classes, which works a lot better for me. And a part of it has to do with medication treating me. I'd say my quality of life has went up so much. While I can't do those things I used to do in the past, I'm much more happier. I'm a lot more upbeat. You probably, if you met me in my mid-20s to now my mid-30s, completely different person. We've talked a lot about how you treat schizophrenia. In your words, what do you understand that the treatment for schizophrenia is for everyone? Again, fully acknowledging that that you're not a doctor. We'll, we'll, we'll ask our, our doctor this question when he comes up later. I think it's safe to say across the board, therapy, um, coping skills, kind of learning how to do things differently in life. I might not be able to do a job exactly like somebody else, but I can find ways to get it done. A medication and having this like a support system. Um, we've heard, I mentioned that I have an incredible family support system. And if you're out there like, well, I don't have a support system. My family isn't like yours. You're going to have to make your own support system, whether it is friends, whether it's your doctor, your therapist, whether you're able to join a peer support group. There's lots of different support groups for schizophrenia and even caretakers of people with mental disorders. And just being able to be around other people going through what you're going through, able to like share ideas on how to deal with things is really awesome. Peer-run support groups really, I think, don't get enough attention, so I'm, I'm really glad that you brought it up. But there's just a wealth in sitting in a room with people who have similar experience. And we've done this in this country, you know, since its inception. You know, salespeople exchange leads and, and information with other salespeople. Mommy groups are a huge thing for new mothers where they talk to other mothers to get hints and tips on everything. You know, there's even sewing circles so that everybody can sit around and sew. Uh, doctors teach other doctors. So I I really always like to give like a great plug to joining a peer support group for people with schizophrenia or just people with mental illness in general, because there really is a wealth of knowledge to get there. And I always tell people, look at it like a buffet, take what you want and leave the rest. You don't need to be mad at the salad, just load up on mashed potatoes. And there's something, even though I have an incredible family support system, none of them have schizophrenia. So when I'm able to talk to other schizophrenics, like just sit down and hang out, it's like the biggest weight off of my shoulders because I can say things and we completely get each other. It's not like weird. It's not like I'm trying to tell you my hallucination and you're like, oh, okay, Rachel. And I'm not worrying them because they've done the exact same thing. They've been through the things that I have. And it's cool just to be able to talk kind of without a filter to somebody who's going through or has been through your same situation. I could not agree more. And for our listeners to know, that is exactly how Gabe and Rachel became friends. It is. It is. Rachel, how did you get schizophrenia? A common misconception is people will be like, oh, wow, something horrible must have happened to you as a child to cause all this. No. I've had schizophrenia um, as long as I can remember. I grew up hallucinating. I pretty much popped out like a little crazy baby. Just like screaming and probably thinking I had like five moms in the room. I don't know. I can't remember back that far. <laughs> but probably- I don't think any of us remember our literal birthday. So yeah. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, but causes are still unknown. Research is ongoing and hopefully medical science will nail that down one day for us.
And we've come a long way. I mean, considering how we treated mental illness at the turn of the century to where we are today is a world of difference. Absolutely. Just to think that maybe if I was born 100 years ago, I would have just been locked up right away. Um, Whether it was like talking locked up in jail a lot of times just for protecting other people or just put into different hospitals. And that was back when you could be, you know, put in mental hospitals, pretty much really anything. Anything weird that you did was like, eh. You are right. The treatment of mental illness in this country does have a very traumatic history. You know, for, for the longest time, any husband could commit their wife to an asylum because she was hysterical or because she was acting erratic or because she wouldn't cook and clean. And these were considered mental illnesses. So I, I do understand why people are leery of mental health diagnoses. And I understand why they're scared to be diagnosed themselves or why they might resist treatment if they believe the things like in the movies that you talked about, or if you just look at the history of our country and I wanna say that we've evolved and I do believe that we have, but I wanna be clear that, that evolution needs to be ongoing. As a person living with schizophrenia, how does the past impact your present decisions and your look toward the future? Even just in my past of when I first started getting treatment in my twenties to now things have evolved so much like medications alone have become much safer, less side effects of different therapies that I've been through. They do differently that they found, Hey, this is going to cause a lot less trauma. It's just amazing. Even for me to see in 10 years, what's evolved and to think, okay, well, when I'm in my mid forties, what's my treatment going to be like then? I'm excited. Who knows? I might be wearing this cool little like Google Glass thing on my head that like fixes my thoughts. That sounds neat. Let's do that. Um, But I don't know. For me, it's very hopeful to see that, yeah, how far we have come as a society. And that's awesome. Thank you so much, Rachel. You know, we've talked a lot about schizophrenia and what it is. We've broken it down. But the running theme is that most people still misunderstand schizophrenia, and they still regard people with schizophrenia as crazy and scary. We know how you feel about it. We, we know that, that you want it to change and that you want people to be better educated. And that's why you're doing this podcast. And that's why you live so openly. Do you have any closing thoughts for anybody listening to this podcast that, that may believe that or know somebody who believes that? When I was first diagnosed at around 21, that was a hard blow for me because I thought exactly as all of these bad examples we've been giving. I was that person. I was like, oh no, now I'm going to become a serial killer. Oh no, you know, I don't want to be associated with this horrible thing. And I don't want anyone else to know because they're going to think I'm dangerous. I was scared out of my mind. As I've grown up and I've learned, my personal definition of schizophrenia is it's just your brain working differently than the norm. And that's okay. Gabe, tell us about our sponsor. It can sometimes feel like another schizophrenia episode is just around the corner. In fact, a recent study found that patients had an average of nine episodes in less than six years. However, there's a treatment plan option that can help delay another episode, a once-monthly injection for adults with schizophrenia. If delaying another episode sounds like it could make a difference for you or your loved one, learn more about treating schizophrenia with once-monthly injections at oncemonthlydifference.com. That's oncemonthlydifference.com. 
Thank you, Gabe, for that information. And let's jump back into talking about schizophrenia. We're here with our guest now, Dr. Ali Matu. He is a clinical psychologist and assistant professor with the psychiatry department at Columbia University. He is also the host of The Psych Show on YouTube. Hello, Dr. Ali. Hi, Rachel. It's so good to be on the show here with you. Yes, great to talk, speak to you again. So from a doctor, all right, yeah. a medical perspective, what is schizophrenia? Uh, well, it's a psychiatric uh, condition, a mental illness, and there's two main problems associated with schizophrenia. One are the collection of symptoms that we call uh, positive symptoms. These are things that most people don't experience. So things like problems in how you're perceiving the world around you. You might be seeing things that other people might not see. You might be hearing things that other people might not hear. And then also uh, problems related to beliefs or ideas of what's happening to you, what's happening in the world around you. So those are some of the positive symptoms of schizophrenia, things that are being added to someone that they might not otherwise experience. And then there's this whole category of negative symptoms where things are being taken away. So for example, the way you experience emotions uh, might be flattened, you might not experience emotions as intensely. You might be losing connection with important people. You might be starting to experience depression, things like that. So it's, it's a very diverse condition. There's a lot of different symptoms associated with it. And people experience these symptoms in different degrees at different times throughout their uh, lifetime experiencing this problem. Thank you so much for that answer. Again, from a medical perspective, what symptoms do you see as the most debilitating just in a general sense? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, I think I would say the, um, the loss of support that can happen with schizophrenia. And what, there's two things we know here. One is when people are experiencing a lot of conflict in their homes, or if they are losing connection with, uh, with family members, with friends, that often makes all of those symptoms worse. And when people are able to get that support, it really helps all those symptoms to get better. So I think for everyone, no matter what age they are, no matter where they are in their journey with schizophrenia, if you lose that connection, if you become isolated, if you're experiencing a lot of rejection, that just makes all of this even more difficult. You were just talking about how diverse schizophrenia can be. Yeah. What would a general treatment plan look like for most schizophrenics? The treatment of choice for schizophrenia is medication intervention. So there are a number of different medications that can be helpful for someone who might be experiencing schizophrenia. And one of the challenges is finding the one that works for you right now. That can be a journey in itself. But usually you're going to have a psychiatrist, someone who has a medical degree and expertise in mental illnesses, they're going to be the ones who are going to be working with someone one-on-one -on -one to identify what might be the best medication for you. And then you're probably going to be working with another mental health professional. It could be a psychologist, someone like me, someone who has a doctorate in psychology. Uh, it could also be a social worker, a counselor, a different type of therapist. But someone who's going to be helping you with the 
other uh, category of problems that come along with schizophrenia. So while medications will help you to become less confused and become um, bring a little bit more clarity to how you're seeing things around you, you still need other skills and to, to help you learn how to cope with your emotions, how to better connect with other people, how to deal with some of the challenges get, that can come along with schizophrenia, and also to talk about uh, your experience with this and your experience with the medications and, and all of that sort of stuff. So usually it's going to be a combination of psychiatry um, as well as some other type of mental health support. To change gears just for a moment, you know, your, your YouTube show, you know, generates questions and, and you answer them. And it's, it's, it's a very, very cool thing that you do. And we like that because we think that schizophrenia is, and other mental disorders are, are so incredibly misunderstood. Mm-hmm. So how have you seen social media and YouTube or maybe just the internet affect the way schizophrenia is perceived in, in either a good or a bad way? I think it's been a complete dramatic shift. And it's it's a part of a larger shift that's happening in the world of mental health right now. Uh, but I think it's so pronounced for schizophrenia. So for a lo- long time, schizophrenia, the representations of it in media have really been extreme, stereotypical, often I think bad representations of schizophrenia. And what we're starting to see now, and Rachel, you've been a part of this, and I thank you so much for the voice you've had here in in shaping this discussion, is we're beginning to see a range of experiences. We're we're seeing people share their stories of how they were diagnosed, of what their life is like, how they cope with schizophrenia. And it's not guided by people in Hollywood who might have a stereotype idea of what schizophrenia is like, but it's it's a more authentic story. And I, I think, um, as, as I was saying earlier, it's such a diverse problem. We're seeing more of that diversity of experience on social media, on blogs, on YouTube. And that for me has been incredibly exciting. And it's, it's helped me to learn more about what schizophrenia is like. It's been one of the most exciting developments in in my career. And I like how you said that there. I've never thought of it that way, that yeah, suddenly we're able to see so many other examples of people living with different mental disorders and how, yeah, absolutely diverse it really can be. I see that for anxiety. I see that for depression, bipolar depression, eating disorders. Uh, we're actually starting to talk about this stuff. It's not just us consuming media that people create, but we're, we're having conversations now about so much stuff in mental health. One of the things that's great to see, of course, are our conversations, but there's always some criticism that the conversations that are taking place by influencers, people like Rachel, that maybe these conversations aren't the best because they're potentially, and I want to be very clear on the word potentially, but they could be, it could be misinformation. They could be light on facts. You could hear the wrong information or shift in the wrong direction. And that can put somebody who is vulnerable in harm's way. From your perspective, how do you sort of tease all that out as yeah. as a provider? I mean, and as somebody who uses the internet to start these conversations. 
<laughs> that's why I started my YouTube channel, actually, is a patient of mine came in and said, hey, this video has been really helpful to me. And we watched it together. And I was like, this video is full of BS. Maybe <laughs> watching this one. And that's that's what got me interested in sharing more of what I know online. It's It's a big challenge. And historically, people like me people who have a lot of professional training, we haven't been trained and don't have experience in sharing information with the public in a way that the public will want to understand. And platforms like YouTube are really struggling with how do you filter out what's accurate versus what's entertaining. And on podcast platforms, it's it's hard to find and figure out who knows what they're talking about and who sounds like they know what they're talking about. So um, in one way, I think this is one of the big challenges we're all struggling with. How do you figure out what's accurate and not in the age of the internet? I think the best way to do this is what's happening right now, is us having conversations where it is professionals and advocates and uh, people who have experienced this, people who have no experience with this, us coming together and having these conversations, this is how I think we move, move things forward. And that's always been my favorite experience as a psychologist is when I'm able to sit down with someone who also is an advocate for this issue, who understands it in a way that I never will, and we can work together to push things forward. That's how we change things. Very awesome. cool. Thank you. So what should a person do if they think they might have schizophrenia, whether it's listening to this podcast or different problems they've been having? What's the first thing they should do? First thing is to talk to a doctor, talk to a medical professional, because there are there are effective treatments and it's never too late and it's never too early to get that evaluated. To some degree, and I think this is something a lot of people don't understand, is a lot of what we're talking about is on a spectrum of what is common and what is uncommon. So every now and then when I'm at home and the lights are off and I'm home alone and I hear a sound, I'll start to wonder, what was that? And this is something that's just built into our psychology. It's, it's how we work. And every now and then when I'm struggling emotionally and I'm really stressed and I'm thinking about things that I'm worried about, maybe my worries get out of hand and I start to believe things that are pretty far away from what is actually happening. That's pretty common. But what we're talking about on this podcast is a more uncommon version of these symptoms that might be causing you a lot of problems in your life. But for a lot of you who might not be sure, is what, am I ex what I'm experiencing, is this one of the more common things that everyone goes through or is this less common? A medical professional, a mental health professional will help you to figure that out. And it's never too late and it's never too early. Um, one of the things we know about treating schizophrenia is the sooner you can catch it and the sooner you can get effective treatment, the better off it's going to be in the long term. So if you have any doubts, and I know this is a hard thing to talk about, find a medical professional that you feel comfortable with and talk to them and they'll help you to, to figure that out. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was absolutely awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Ali Matu. We absolutely loved having you on here. Oh, thanks for having me. I, I've been looking forward to this conversation all week long. It's, it's been a pleasure. If you would like to learn more about Dr. Ali Matu, you can check out his YouTube show at youtube.com slash the psych show. Thank you so much for listening to Inside Schizophrenia with your hosts, Rachel and Gabe. 
The official website of Inside Schizophrenia is psychcentral.com slash IS. Please like, share, send this to all of your friends, subscribe if you haven't yet. Um, Help us get the word out there so people actually start to see schizophrenia how it really is. Inside Schizophrenia is presented by PsychCentral.com, America's largest and longest operating independent mental health website. Your host, Rachel Star Withers, can be found online at rachelstarlive.com. Co-host Gabe Howard can be found online at gabehoward.com. For questions or to provide feedback, please email talkback at psychcentral.com. The official website for Inside Schizophrenia is psychcentral.com is. Thank you for listening, and please share widely.